Hello, hello. We are here in our homes because we are still going through COVID-19. You're with the VBAC Link Podcast. And if you hear little rugrats in the background, that would be my children because they're all right outside the door. Or mine. Uh, they're getting a little restless right now. <laughs> they are. We were a few hours into recording and they're like, wait, I thought we had a mom. <laughs> Maybe we don't have a mom. I'm not even sure what the outside of this door looks like, but Hopefully it's not in complete shambles out there, but we are so excited today because we have one of our good friends on, and this is Emily Jacobson. If you do not know who Emily Jacobson is, you need to know. She is the owner of Green Bay Doulas, an executive director of the Wisconsin Doulas Association with almost a decade of birth under her belt. Guys, that's a lot of years, 12 years under her belt. That's amazing. I'm only at five, so I'm well behind you, Emily. Emily's strength lies in supporting families through the childbirthing years in whatever manner they envision and unfolding. Emily's ability to build mutual respect and admiration of the providers and hospital administrators has been tremendous, a tremendous asset to the family she supports. She's also had a surgical birth in 2013 and a VBAC in 2016, which we are so excited for her today to share her story about. Emily, Thank you. What yeah. a grand entrance. Yes. Uh, first, Julie yes. has a we, review of we, the week. Emily, Emily, you are you are that awesome though. Like you are an awesome person. And for anyone who didn't know, we were actually supposed to go to Green Bay this, this year. It's 2020. And then we got um, do a training, but then the Rona stuck her nose in our business. And mm -hmm. so we're not going, which we're just brokenhearted about, but we're really hoping that when this is all over, which we're assuming this is going to be over at some point, um, we will be able to get to Green Bay and meet you officially in person. Cause we've had lots of chats and things, but Julie, go ahead and read that review. Absolutely. Megan, I must say you're getting a lot better at reading long passages of text. Why? Because, thank you. Because really that bio, yeah, that bio was smooth. Like right. you didn't, you didn't stumble. Like it was great. Just had to recognize. Okay. All right. So my, or this review is from Carrie in shy and it is called tears plus stories plus hope plus joy equals education. And she says, I discovered these ladies when I was nine months postpartum from a very traumatic C-section and was eagerly beginning to research how to heal and build a new birth team for when my second baby comes along. Now, just a few months later, I've listened to almost all the episodes and I hear the joy and redemption these mamas have when they are in control of their births. And it spurs me towards my goal of one day having a successful VBAC. I cry when they cry, feel joy when they feel joy, sadness when they feel sadness, and encouragement and elation when they succeed. It's been quite the therapeutic discovery, and I'm so glad Julie and Megan created this resource. Each time Megan or Julie directly addresses the audience as women of strength, I get goosebumps. And I know in my heart that I am and will be that woman of strength. I hope to one day share my version of success with this community. I love that review so much. And you know what, Carrie, you are already a woman of strength. This is not something that you have to be. It is what you are. Regardless of your birth outcomes, you are a woman of strength. And I just want to thank her for that review and remind everybody who's on their journey that they are strong 
and that there is joy to find in the birth experience if you look for it. On that note, we are going to go into Emily's story. And we, you hear us say all the time that not all cesarean births are traumatic and not all vaginal births are empowering. And so Emily is going to share a story of her feedback that was not a very empowering experience for her. I don't know all of the details yet, but I'm really excited to hear her share her story because I feel like it's really important that we make you guys aware of all of the things that could go on during your birth so that you are prepared for as many circumstances as possible. And so that if you do have a traumatic vaginal birth, or if you have had one, then you know that there's people out there like you that feel the way that you do and that can relate to you. So I kind of just took over the intro on that one. No, I loved it. No, that was perfect. And I think being one of the VBAC Link certified doulas for the state of Wisconsin, pretty awesome. And I came across it just on a whim of just continuing my education. There's not much around anymore for the old dogs like myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) When you attended one of our very first things where we were like broadcasting live on Zoom, like you were, we're like ancient. (laughs) It's great. You guys are such an amazing resource. So I, so kind of in the beginning of my journey, I was actually a doula before I had children. And um, my sister-in-law had just asked me to be in the room with her. And I was like, oh, sure, whatever. That sounds good. Yeah, I can do that. And after seeing the, after being part of that and seeing the birth of my niece, I was like, wait, people do this for a living? Really? I'm in. I'm in. And I used to say like, it's like those Oprah aha moments. And I just, it clicked. And I was like, yep, I'm going to do this. And so when I became pregnant about, let's see, about four years later, actually, um, with my first, you know, I kind of jumped on a, a bandwagon that I didn't even realize I was really on in that I thought that I, because I was a doula, I was supposed to have a certain type of birth that doulas don't birth in hospitals. Doulas only have home births. And I don't know where I got that idea from. And I don't know where it got stuck in my head but I also was realistic and was like, okay, yeah, I'll do the home birth thing, but I'm also going to do like care with the local um, CNMs too, because why wouldn't you, you know? And so, you know, kind of fast forward, I, beautiful pregnancy. I'm now at like 41 and three and I'm like, yeah, we're good. And I just had these days and days and days of prodromal labor and I just could not, it was a first time mom. I was like, this doesn't happen to first time moms what's going on? Like, I feel like I'm in labor. My body feels like it's in transition, but I have nothing showing for it going on on the inside. Like what is happening? And so I ended up making the call to like abandon ship of this home birth idea and showed up at the hospital. And um, the midwife who was on call called me on the room phone and was like, what are you doing here, Emily? And I was like, for some reason I'm here something's not right. I I need a little assist here. So um, we kind of went down that cascade of interventions because I am the type of personality style where I'm like, well, we need to try everything. Like, let's go. So started with the Nubane that got me some sleep, woke up, still nothing. The whole next day, she just, I ended up having a daughter, but uh, the whole next day, just nothing was, was working. And the Pitocin ended up stressing her out. 
And I remember saying to my husband, you know, if the pit doesn't work, we're going to go meet our baby. And I remember my husband being like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot. You don't know any he of this. He doesn't understand birth as much as <laughs> so he doesn't know your him. lingo. Yeah, yeah. I made him go through childbirth education class with me because I was like, when I'm in labor, I want to be the laboring woman. I don't want to be a doula. I want to be able to turn that mindset off. And my mom had passed away when I was 23. So here I am, 27. And so I wanted a doula who um, was that matriarchal figure for me. So um, one of my close doula friends, Rachel Pugh, ended up being um, my doula. And uh, we, we kind of exhausted everything. And then my water broke and we had merconium. And I'm like, you know, I just got to cut this where we got to cut this. Like, no pun intended on this, but I think it's time. The pit's not working. The epidural didn't relax me enough to let my body do what it needed to do. Now we've got merconium. And she just wasn't being, there wasn't the variables that the nurses wanted to see, you know? And so I said, you know, let's call in the, the surgeon and let's talk. And, uh, and we went back and we had a beautiful C-section. You know, it took her a little bit. As you know, some babies don't really realize they were born um, after a C-section. And so mine was yeah. that. So yeah. she, she spent a couple hours under the oxygen hood, just kind of in, I call it baby jail, because it's not ICU. Um, it's not, you know, the NICU or anything. But just, you know, some observation. And then, boom, she just turned the corner and she was like, oh, yeah, I was born. Hi. And she was amazing. And we went on to breastfeed for two and a half years and, you know, I had a great experience to me personally with a C-section. I recovered beautifully. I think the hard part though was, you know, I was the only postpartum doula in Green Bay at the time. So I didn't have postpartum care. I had to train everybody how to be a postpartum care doula for me, but we made it work and we made it through it. And so when it was time to, to plan that second baby, I knew that I needed to, um, and really what we, what we figured out is she was pretty transverse. And that's why she wasn't coming out. And, and, you know, once your water breaks, um, yep, game over. they're kind of locked and loaded and, mm -hmm. you know, being a doula, like I curb walked, I did Welcher's technique. I did spinning babies. I did the mile circuit. I did inversions. Like we tried, <laughs> don't get me wrong, but you have to know, or at least get that peace of mind that like, you know, you tried everything. And that's what it was for me. As long as I knew I could, I tried everything. I was, I was okay with what the outcome would be. And it still is birth. And so yes, we, I love that. Can I just interrupt you and say it still is birth. Absolutely. Cesareans are still birth. They really are. So I, they absolutely are. Yeah. Um, and when people call us and they're like, Hey, I'm going to attempt to be back. I'm like, okay, oh, let's take a breath here. <laughs> I'm going to get on a soap pedal still for about two seconds. And I want to let you know, you're attempting nothing you are going to birth your baby. And whether yes. you birth your baby through a surgical birth or you birth your baby through a vaginal birth, you birthed your baby, you attempted nothing. So until you have a baby on your chest, out of your vagina, then we'll call it a VBAC. But until then, we're just gonna say you're toe lacking. And they're like, oh, okay. And some don't even know what a toe lack is. So that would be trial of labor after cesarean. And so that led me to my next birth. And I said the whole time, people were like, well, what are you gonna do? And I was like, you don't ask that to first-time parents. Are you having a vaginal birth or a cesarean? That's rude. Stop asking that. Right? Oh, my gosh. Right? <laughs> Sheesh. Rude. 
and now there's general inquiry, sure. And my friends are like, what do you think your plans are? And I'm like, that's a better way to say it, but don't ask me if I'm attempting something because I don't attempt anything. I'm going to do something and it's going to birth my baby. <laughs> so I uh, went along and uh, by that time we had had this amazing new OBGYN who had just just showed up on the block. Her name is Dr. Sarah Swift. And I know in the Facebook groups, we talk about her a lot, but she's somebody who believes in birth as a natural process and understands that, you know, we, you may not be able to have a, that birth that your ideal experience is, but there is something to be said about the difference of when somebody says to you, your baby's too big and won't fit, let's plan a C-section. And then there's a difference between somebody saying to you, you know what, there's a really good chance this baby's rather large. And I don't know if this baby needs to be born vaginally or surgically, but we're just going to go with it. But I just want you to know, you know, if you go into labor, go into labor, you want to push a little bit, push a little bit. And then if you're ready, we'll go back for a C-section. That's so different. Like it's the same thing being said, but it's so different. And that's what I appreciate about Sarah is that, yeah. and Dr. Swift, <laughs> is that I, you, you can, she's very blunt about things. And so she gives everybody nicknames. That's kind of her thing. You get a nickname or she calls your kid a stinker or whatever. Um, my name dubbed to her was the six pound pelvis. And so what? <laughs> she's like, well, we, we really, I, I don't know if an eight pounds going to fit Emily, but again, go into labor, push, like do what you want to do. Right. Now my first was seven seven when she was born, so not abnormally big by any means. Uh, yeah, literally just was kind of her positionary where she was positioned, and she just couldn't budge out. So I get to my due date, and you know she's kind of like, "What do you want to do?" And I'm like, "You know, I'd be fine with a foley if you want to do a foley induction. Um, if we're worried about a big baby, like I'm okay with a foley catheter." And she's like, "All right, let's try it." So I showed up, told my husband, "Like I'm gonna go get induced. Stay here with." with our kid I'll just keep you posted we'll see and we kind of did that overnight and then I had some friends visit me the next day and you know you get so invested you know how you get like so you you, you put on your blinders to everything right and I turned off my doula brain I was just mom like I just that's who I was and that's what was happening to me and my friends had come the next day and they're like how's it going and I'm like yeah still got the foley in nothing's really happening and they're like so go home and I was like, wait, what? And I was like, oh, yeah, it's not working. I'm not even having contractions. I have a Foley and I'm sitting here watching HGTV. I'm going to go home. So <laughs> that I call seems to be a theme lately, watching HGTV. It's the most in popular. The- I'm serious. That's great. And so I actually called in the nurse and I was like, you know what? This isn't working. I'm going to go home. I'll let Sarah know, or I'll let Dr. Swift know what I'm doing in the next couple of days. She was like, okay. So they discharged me. I went home. And I don't think a lot of people realize that you can like, it's an elective induction. Like I chose to put myself in this situation. My water wasn't broken. I wasn't having contractions. Go home. Your body's not ready yet. And I think that takes a lot of strength because a lot of people are like, but I'm here. All my stuff's here. Like I'm settled in. I'm ready. Well, and not every provider, not every provider is okay with that. They're like, well, listen, you're the one that chose to have an elective right. induction. You're either going to commit or you're not. Like, right. and that's when you say, I'm choosing not to. Right. I'm out. So I'm not doing I that home. today. I went home. So, you know, I didn't tell anybody that I was doing this because obviously, like, I knew that rule, number one. <laughs> like, I don't want all the phone calls. 
So nobody really knew what I was up to except my close friends who had come to visit me. And yeah, I went home. And then a couple days later, we had the full moon. And I remember on like middle of the night, I woke up and I thought I had to maybe go to the bathroom. And when I sat up, I felt that pop. And I was like, oh yeah, game's on, here we go. Um, and so then I had to really just think to myself, like how do I make it from my bed to the bathroom without leaving a trail? And I just hightailed it and then it was okay. But my water had, my water had broken. So now I'm 40 and three and water had broken. Let Dr. Swift know that my water had broken and that was her day to be in clinic and uh, out of town, by the way. And uh, I was like, oh no, what are we going to do? And she's like, well, I'll just do what you're doing. Like, I'll be there when I can get there. I knew she could be there about 5.30 PM. And again, the brain is so strong. Is it not like, you know, you can, your brain is so powerful in the sense. And so I did, I had contractions starting a couple hours later and they were pretty strong around 10 AM. Nothing to call home about, but like we still sent our daughter to daycare just so I could have that moment and just have that time. So my husband and I went for a walk. <laughs> you know, kind of tried to get some stuff going. I said, I think I'm going to take a rest around, you know, lunchtime. And they just stopped, like all the contractions just stopped. So uh, Dr. Swift called me and was like, hey, meet me at 530 at the hospital and let's see what we can do. And so I was like, all right. So everything had been done, right? So I show up at 530 and uh, we put the Foley back in. Um, I have a cervix of steel. I'm still pretty close. Like she had to use the speculum to get it in. So like cervix of steel. And uh, I feel like that was like the first road hump. I kind of had these roadblocks mentally in my head of, of what this was going to be is that is my cervix going to do this? Am I going to get past six? Because I didn't do that. That's how far I got before. Am I going to, you know, is this going to happen or is this going to be another surgical birth? Like I just did not know what the answer would be. So the nurses were like, hey, do you have your birth plan? I'm like, yep, right here. And literally the birth plan was a blank piece of paper that said Tolak like a boss. That was it. I love like, it. That's Tolak epic. like a boss. That is epic. <laughs> all, that's all I knew because they knew me. Like these nurses, I'm working with them all the time. Like they know exactly who I am. So when they get this piece of paper that just says Tolak like a boss in Sharpie, they're like, good birth plan. I was like, yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> so off we went. And um, the minute that Foley was placed this time, contractions two to three minutes apart on top of each other, couldn't get comfortable. Like just instant, I was back where I had been at the first time where, you know, my daughter was kind of in that stuck position, you know, and I was like, oh no, like, this contraction pattern is so familiar. It's back. And you know, you forget what it feels like, but the minute you have that real, those good ones that start, you're like, oh yes, this is it. I remember this. And so sure enough, we, uh, I call my husband. I'm like, Hey, so like, uh, you probably going to want to call when like get here soon. He's like, well, I'm making mac and cheese for the kid. And I was like, yeah, I get that. But like, let's go. And so sure enough, but, uh, he ends up showing up in a little while later, but I was just dancing it out in the shower because that was my happy place. My, my go-to uh, was a, a Pandora list called Hip Hop Road Trip that I had been curating for years. And That's just, awesome. Tunes, just good. I mean, good. Can you like give me access to that playlist? I feel like it's yes. something I need to listen to. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> yes, I definitely will. And so we labored all night. And then I started, you know, I've, I've been without 24 hours of sleep. And I said, you know what? I need to give myself every single possible chance that I know of in my playbook of my experience and what I know. And so I did opt for an epidural and it worked beautifully. I went to sleep. I woke up. I was complete plus two. 
And I was like, wait, what? Yes. What did you say? Awesome. <laughs> and I literally said to the nurse, like, you, what, what did you say? She was like, complete plus two. And I was like, okay, well, we're going to just one more time. <laughs> just one more. Somebody give me my toothbrush. I got to brush my hair. I got to look pretty for my baby. This is happening. But like you have that mental, that mental roadblock. And, and I know that, you know, um, she didn't even realize that the Foley was like very much like pushed out of me by that point. Um, she just kind of gave a little boop and she was like, yeah, no, that's out. And wow. Yeah. You're can Yep. There's a baby there. And I was like, yes, we're going to do this. So then I got really excited, called our birth photographer, um, called the doula back, you know, just to get that support. Cause I was just sleeping. Like I, I know what I need, you know, it's more for keep my husband off the ledge because I know too much and he doesn't know enough. And so it's very, it's hard, especially he's, he's very hard in labor for him to understand certain things of what's happening. So we started pushing and we started pushing and pushing and pushing and now we're at four hours pushing. And I was like, this is ridiculous. This baby is plus two and I'm four hours pushing. Like what is going on here? Yeah. And I'm like, is this baby not going to come out? And then the dreads comes back in like, oh mm. my God, is this really going to happen? And the nurses are starting to switch out for nurses change, but they're so invested in this. Now I have like eight or nine nurses in the room with me because they're like, we're not leaving. Like this is Emily. Like we got to do this. And I remember just kind of saying, like, I teach people how to push every day, like, as a doula. Like, why, why am I the most ineffective pusher ever? And I tried all <laughs> positions. I had a really good epidural where I was able to get on hands and knees. I was able to be on my side. Like, I could do the squat bar. We tried everything. And I'm like, oh, no. Are we going down this, this road? Do I have this six-pound pelvis? Like, what is, what's happening here? And finally, I looked at the nurse that was in charge, and I said, get swift in here and tell her to bring the vacuum. And she was like, are you sure? I'm like, I'm sure this baby's got to come out. But, but for Dr. Swift just to sit there and be like, she's four hours in pushing, like let her keep doing what she wants to do. She can call the shots. Like how different is that in that line of care, you know, in the level of care that people are looking for. And so she, she totally believed that like I could do this. And if I couldn't, then that's fine. Then we're going to go the different route, but it's still going to be an empowering experience either way. I just, it's going to be her call unless it's an, you know, it can't be. Absolutely. Absolutely. So while you still have options, there's options, you know? And so I I had Dr. Swift come in. She was like, are you sure you want the vacuum? I'm like, this baby's plus two. And I've been pushing for almost five hours now. Like something's got to give here. And so I know what vacuum looks like. Like I said to my husband, I'm like, here's what we're going to do. You do not look. I want you to hold my hand and close your eyes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the nurses were like, let's do this. And so they, they kind of put me in almost like the, the shoulder dystocia um, positioning flat on my back. My legs had never been so high over my head. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and I pushed with all my might on that. And she just boop, popped right out. And Whoa. so- the thing that happened with that was not only did she pop out, but so did my placenta along with her. Whoa. So, oh. Yep. So, Whoa. so right behind. And, and so she, her Apgar was a two, like she was, she was gray. Um, and so I knew the minute oh she goodness. came out and she was just doused in blood and they put her on me. I was like, okay, that happened. Yep. But she's going to need some extra love. So here you go take her. And I just pushed her right up off to the nurses. And my husband's like crying in the corner and he's like, what just happened? 
you know, hindsight. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, it's traumatic for him. <laughs> but I mean, point being though, I figured out, and we've actually been able to utilize this for different scenarios that when we have clients who've been pushing for an extended, extended period of time, maybe they have a super high brimmed pelvis. And so we put them in that position and boop, out comes this baby. Like after hours and hours of pushing, we're like, let's just try a weird Whoa. position. Not that we want to like tell you to lay flat on your back, but maybe you're, you're, this baby does need to go up to the sky in order to get out versus how we think of normal pushing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So for those high brim pelvises, which is what I figured out I have, it's a small high brim pelvis that I need to be in the most obnoxious, non-okay birth for positioning that a doula would ever think. And then my baby comes out. So like my mind is blown right now. I'm like thinking, <laughs> I'm like analyzing every birth I have ever attended in my life. Like, yeah. just like interesting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so think about those hybrid pelvises. Don't forget about them. And I'm sure there's other ways to think to do it, but for some reason that worked for me. And it wor has worked for two other clients that I wasn't at their birth, but the doula messaged me and like, Emily, this is like really long pushing here. What should I do? I've tried everything. And I'm like, mm, you haven't tried something. Do the Emily technique. <laughs> and they're like, what's that? I'm like, crazy most unknown doula position flat on her back legs straight behind her yeah, and it's not it's instinctual like, at all like it's no. not a position a mother would get in by themselves never never ever no but I'm like you might need to call in another nurse to get her legs back like that far like, as needed kind of a thing but boop yeah out she came but so did the placenta and so the birth photos mm, not so pretty because everyone's drenched in blood oh. um but the placenta detached with her and so we don't really know when that may or may not have happened, right? Like she was doing fine. Like obviously they're monitoring her while I'm pushing, but it must have been just that perfect timing of I knew when to call it and when to say that mom instinct of like, we got to do something, get the vacuum, let's assist. And, and it was the right call. And she popped up. She, she came right to color. Second was an eight for Apgar. You know, but that too is pretty scary when you see a floppy gray baby on you, you know? Um, um, yeah, really scary. So, and you know, especially when you know too much, you know, and I'm saying to my husband, like, she's fine. She's fine. She's fine. She just needs a little oxygen. Like they're just going to get her just warmed up a little bit. Like she's okay. She's okay. And I'm talking him down because that's just what I, what the kind of the mindset I was into is I went into like the doer mode. Like I knew I was okay. Holy hell. I just had a baby on my vagina. Mm -hmm. Is she okay? I'm like going through like husband, myself, baby, husband, myself, baby, <laughs> you know? And, uh, yeah. and all like now there's like 15 nurses in the room. Like it was a party. And, uh, I said, you know, once we knew she was okay, Dr. Swift wanted to make sure that, that everything was out because of how the placenta had detached. So she had to go in and just a uh, courtesy sweep as it says, but I'm appreciative that I had the epidural for that one because I know how intense it is if you don't, but everything was okay. But I had had a little bit of a fever at that point now. And so did baby. So, you know, everyone, I think has this idea that VBACs are this miraculous unicorn that comes in and, and shines down and sparkles. And, and, and sometimes it's not like mm -hmm. five hours of pushing a v uh, vacuum assistance to a baby that was not doing good and everything in between that. But I think when it comes down to it, I'm glad I did it. The thing is, is I still don't know if I have a proven pelvis. I know I got a baby to come out of it. 
but I don't know if I could get a subsequent baby. And she weighed six and a half pounds. Six Ironic. pound pelvis, baby. I'm telling you. <laughs> so, so I kind of have a deal. Like, you know, a lot of people be like, I had a V-back always a V-back. And for me, I don't know that. And so mm-hmm. I think it's kind of sobering sometimes for people to be like, well, you've already had a vaginal birth, so you can just have another one. And I was like, not necessarily, but yeah. we don't know until we get there. And I still will be the same person say, I'll go into labor. Let me push whatever. But if I know this baby, if we're doing an ultrasound of growth and I have a 10 pound baby in me, like I'll just wear a GoPro and deliver a baby in a C-section, you know, but yeah. I think that everyone has this idea of what this VBAC is supposed to be. And everyone talks about this, you know, once that baby comes out, the head's out and you feel that rush of the shoulders. I don't remember that because I was so focused on why is she holding my baby and the placenta? Like, Hmm. what? So it's kind of taking like a second to kind of get through all of that. But the recovery was a little bit better, but not totally better because I actually had formed fissures from pushing. And everyone talks about hemorrhoids, but nobody talks about fissures. Uh And for those who don't know what a fissure is, it literally is your sphincter is teared, like your anal sphincter Mm -hmm. is teared a little bit. And sometimes it's on both sides, sometimes it's another, but it literally is always firing off. Like you always feel like pushing, like pushing feels like stops it for a second, but you can't always be pushing all the time, you know, but other than that, you know, I had to do a cream and that kind of, that healed it up, but you have a three and a half year old and a newborn and a cream you have to put on with a gloved finger and lay flat on your back for 20 minutes, two times a day. Sure. Goodness. Why not? (laughs) But it was better than the alternative of having to go in for general surgery and have them cut both sides and have that hopefully heal. So, you know, I didn't even realize about fissures on my doula journey like that. Nobody had ever said I had fissures. And so that's another thing when people like my hemorrhoids are really, really acting up. And I'm like, is it your hemorrhoids though? Like you think maybe it is, but is it something different? And so it helped me, you know, a lot of people like don't take your birth story with you to help your clients. I don't, but I take all my experience of my births in general and put it in a toolbox. Yes. Utilize that toolbox. I open up that toolbox. I'm like, hmm, pick that out. And I'm going to hand that info to you, you know? So I do think there's value in it, but I also was knowledgeable as well before I had children too. And so I don't think it's a prerequisite to have certain types of birth to support people because I've never technically then had an unmedicated birth. Mm-hmm. Does that make me any less of a doula? Nope. Absolutely not. So it's just been quite the journey on that. But yeah, I've got two beautiful girls and healed up well. And I don't know if we're done having kids or not. I'm just kind of on pause right now. But again, I would have, I would have Dr. Swift in my corner. And I just would be open to birthing my baby, however that baby needed to be born. And I think it's really hard to get to that point sometimes once you get over that uh, hump of all the mental blocks. But I have peace of mind knowing that I have crossed all uh, my T's and I have dotted my I's. But for other people, that may not be the right choice for them, but it was the right choice for me. I just need to know I went down every avenue. And Mm -hmm. that's where I find my peace. And, And that's kind of where where I come from it when people are like it, the VBAC is the only right way. And I was like, it's not though. It's not the right, it's not the only option. Right. You, know, you really have to weigh your pros and cons of it and what's going to be best for your family and in your recovery in general and what that'll look like. I've had a beautiful C-section recovery. 
I had a fine vaginal recovery minus the fissure issue, but that was just as annoying as <laughs> scar tissue as well, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, a couple of things that I think that really helped me in my journey is that I made sure I went to a physical therapist and got myofascial release and was at a pelvic floor functioning, um, pelvic floor specialist for my PT while I was pregnant. I wanted to know what was my pelvic floor doing? How can I strengthen it? Break up the scar tissue. I had a beautiful C-section, but yet my scar tissue went all the way down to my femorals in my legs. Like they had, they broke up a lot of scar tissue and that is so much easier to labor if that's already done on top of contractions and breaking up scar tissue. Like that's, I also saw Webster Technique certified chiropractor for both of my pregnancies, actually, you know, just saying that's just how it is. Like, that's just where it was at. But I really do believe in chiropractic care, both during, before, and after for me and my babies and the difference I can make. So that's kind of my story in a nutshell, you guys. Yeah, we, oh my gosh, I have so many thoughts. <laughs> where do I start first? Okay, so you sound very um, confident and sure of yourself when you're telling your story and not like in an egotistical way, but in a way that like, that shows that like you're comfortable with your choices. It wasn't the birth that you dreamed of, but you know that you made the right decisions based on the information that you had at the time. And I think that that's a really important thing to a really important place to be able to get to after you have a birth that doesn't go the way you wanted it to, mm-hmm. or even a birth that's traumatic. And, and so I just, I noticed that when you were telling your story is that, yeah, you were very, very sure and very certain of how things ended up. And I wanted to just know a couple of things. So a lot of people say that like they can't afford to do all the things. They can't afford to have a doula and a chiropractor and see a pelvic floor specialist and, and, you know, take a childbirth course and do all of these things. Right. And so we see it all the time. And I'm sure you do too. Like people ask, Oh, what should I do? Like, should I hire a doula or a photographer or should I go to a chiropractor or take a class? And here's the thing. There's no right answer for that. Like you have to just tune into your intuition and sit down and figure out what you think will be the most beneficial to you and prioritize those and do as many things as you feel pulled to do. And if you don't, if there's a way, whether financially or distance or other things that come into play when you're trying to figure out how to do all of these things, think outside the box a little bit and try and figure out a way that you can do as many things as you feel called to do for your birth and learn about all the things. Like we just published an episode um, this week was about cesarean scar massage and how the scar tissue can affect all parts of your body. And it ties a lot of what you just said when you ended your story, you know, that you had this scar tissue that went far beyond places that you would expect it to go. And, and we get, comments on that episode of people who had no idea that scar massage was even a thing or that pelvic floor therapy can even help with that at all. I actually just had a birth with a home birth midwife not too long ago who didn't even know what Miss Cesarean scar massage was. Mm -hmm. Like she did it. Mm 
is a home birth midwife. And being aware of the options that are available to you and then figuring out how to accomplish those things that you are called to accomplish is going to be very important for you if your birth takes an unexpected turn like Emily's did. And you can reflect back and look and say, hey, I did all of the things I did, or I knew I made the best choices based on all the information that I had, and I worked as hard as I could have ever. And then that will give you comfort and peace, probably not immediately because we all have to process through things that don't go the way that we want them to go during our births. Mm -hmm. But long-term as you start your healing journey, both physically and emotionally, it will help you if you can look back and see that you were in control, you made the decisions and you did everything to prepare that you knew to do. So that would be my two cents. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, what would you add about traumatic vaginal births or empowering C-sections? Megan, your second C-section yeah. was actually pretty healing for you, right? Yeah. So I, <clears throat> as my voice is going away, so uh, my first cesarean, I wouldn't call it dramatic or anything, but I definitely feel like um, it lacked a lot of things for me, and I definitely didn't want another one. Um, then with my second cesarean, I knew I didn't want another one, but if I had another one, I wanted it to be a different experience, and mm-hmm. I would say it was healing. Um, I was a lot more involved in my own cesarean. Um, I was spoken to um, personally, like about what was happening to me. I watched my cesarean through a mirror. Yeah. And then I got skin to skin. I mean, it was just so different. They, they asked me what type of music I wanted in there. I was playing, like played music. It was just, it was peaceful, but I want to share a little bit about my VBAC as well. I actually want to like talk more about this on an episode one day because I haven't talked a lot about my postpartum for my VBAC. And it's something that sometimes I wonder if I purposely don't talk about it. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. absolutely. Like I, I share the happy part of my VBAC, but there's also a really crappy part of my VBAC. And um, I want to talk about that just for a second. So my baby I had a longer labor. Uh, my baby was OP for a really, really long time. Last minute turned and pushed a few times and he was out and it was great. I had no vaginal tearing, no stitches needed, anything like that. And like, so in a lot of people's head, they're like, wow, you had like a really, you know, 40 plus hour labor, but like you had a great pushing period and everything was great. And it was, it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. And I got to pull him up on my own chest and it was everything that I imagined. And then what came next was um, not everything I imagined. And sometimes I still wonder if I'm processing myself, which is one of the reasons why I don't openly, I mean, I openly talk about it, but it's not something that I like go out of my way to talk about, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. And so what happened after my birth is something that I still question. I don't know. So I had my baby. Everything was great. I'm yelling. I did it. I did it. Oh my gosh, guys. Oh my gosh. You know, I'm just amazing. Everyone's crying and we're all just happy. And my midwife asked my husband if he wanted to cut the cord and my husband's not super into that, which is fine. And he was like, no, that's fine. I was like, I do. Like, yeah, you know, I want to cut the cord. And I cut the cord. I remember cutting it and 
feeling so good. Like, oh, like I just, it was like a completion. Is that so silly to say? But like, it was like a completion of this birth. Like, boom, I cut this cord. This baby is here. He's with me and he's great. And then I remember kind of like looking around and I could hear everybody's voices going like, whoa, like <laughs> just wobbly and like muffled and weird. <laughs> Yeah, my sound effects, you guys, that come out of me. I don't know where they where they come, but love them. I love it was them. weird. It was weird. Like everyone's voices were looking like sounding really weird, and I was like, "What? Like what the heck?" And I was looking around, and then my husband. The next thing I know, I was gone, and my husband said he saw my whole body just go limp, and I was holding the baby right, and he was like, "Uh, oh my gosh!" He's like, "Someone take the baby." Megan just passed out, and then the next thing I know, is I woke up on the floor, covered in blankets. And everyone like, are you okay? Like, talk to me. And I was just like, whoa, like what happened? And then um, I, then I was fine. Like I was doing great. And I wanted to call my chiropractor who adjusted me twice during my labor and tell her that I just pushed this baby out because she worked with me a lot during my pregnancy. So I remember calling her, telling her I did it. Hey, I don't even know whose phone I had. Just talked with her, gave the phone back to someone and they're like, okay, like we got to, you know, stand you up. Let's get you over to the bed and we're going to assess things and get you breastfeeding. And I'm like, okay, great. Like, and I had been with this midwife before I had been to this birth center. It was like, I knew exactly what the steps were, right? I had seen it happen. And so I was like, yeah, cool. And so we stood up and I remember like not feeling super awesome and like going over and just kind of feeling weird. And I laid down and like, they like checked my blood pressure and everything. And my blood pressure was really, really low. And my pulse was really, really high. And she's like, okay, we got to get you some fluids. And so we just like treated and everything. And then they were like, okay, we got to get to the bathroom. And I stood up and I'd pass out. And then like, I'd feel better and I'd stand up and I'd pass out. And then I stood up, got to the bathroom, passed out on the toilet. So like, I kept passing out and I was like, what is happening? Like, so that to me, like, even though I've got this beautiful vaginal birth, like everything I wanted, I found myself very angry because that for some reason was weird. And like, I was fine. Like I was fine. Like here I am today. I'm okay. And so was my baby, but I didn't understand what was happening. And there was not a lot. I mean, people were talking, like, I don't think any of us really knew at the moment. Like it was like my body was in shock. And so we don't really know what happened, but, um, I was still find myself angry about that time. Like why, how did I get this beautiful vaginal birth? But my postpartum experience sucked. You know what I mean? And so sometimes I want to talk about like, you might have this beautiful vaginal birth that isn't traumatic, but your postpartum experience is traumatic. Mm -hmm. And so you relate it to your vaginal birth, or maybe it isn't related to your birth at all. I don't know what it looks like, but it's just so there's such a wide window. And so you have to find what's best for you. You have to process that, make sure you understand where you're struggling, what you're struggling about and talk about it. I encourage you to talk about it. As Julie said, like Emily's very confident in the way she speaks about her birth and how she felt about her birth. And, and that's okay to be confident. And I want you to know that like, it's okay to say, I don't feel good about this because so many people would probably look at my experience and say, well, you got the vaginal birth that you wanted for years. Mm -hmm. Like really like, like, is like, what's to complain about? And like, or someone might, someone might have actually said this, if that makes sense. Someone might have, but actually did say this. Well, like, I don't understand. Like, do you just have to complain about everything in your life? Like you just have to nitpick everything. And I'm like, Whoa. 
whoa, 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 whoa. Like this was an experience that still I lacked, if that makes sense. Like even though I had my beautiful vaginal birth, I lacked this experience. And anyway, so I just want to point that out that like it goes from before birth, during birth, after birth, it's, it's a wide range and it's really important to, to process that and to I be think, confident. Yeah, and I, I think it goes so, it goes deep no matter how you're thinking about it because I, I, the joke kind of between my husband and I is that like we can get pregnant very easily. We don't have fertility issues whatsoever. I can carry beautifully. I don't even start complaining to like 39 and a half weeks and I'm only five foot two. So that's <laughs> when my hips start to get real tired and I'm like, yeah. I'm done. Yeah. So I, I like love being pregnant, can get pregnant easily. Our breastfeeding journey, I have fed for almost four years total breastfeeding and I never had a clogged duct or mastitis. Like I have an oversupply, like beautiful so many pros, right? Oh my gosh. But guess what? My births are one day events and they are absolute crap shows. <laughs> and that's just like the joke between us, but it's just mm. the most ironic part because I'm a doula. <laughs> So, mm -hmm. but to us, like it's taken me time. If I tried to record this, you know, even two years ago, I don't think it would have been the same story. You guys, mm -hmm. it really is a journey of like reflection or however you try, however you start to remember your story. I probably left out a bunch of stuff. I do know I did order a, a cake to be delivered to the, to the nurses in L and D and it was a vagina cake. <laughs> and the nurses were like, you won't. And I'm like, test me. Um, and so like, you know, like those little parts, but I'm sure there's a lot of that I omitted because to me in my brain, those parts just didn't keep. They didn't and, stand up. Exactly. Exactly. You yeah. know, but, but I'm sure somebody could be like, well, don't you remember this? And I'm like, no, not relevant to me anymore or whatever. But still like, I, I think everyone keeps, I think the, the goal of this conversation in general and the goal of birth in general is that we have to start talking about the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. Yes. A low, low, low population of people that mm -hmm. have the absolute perfect picture what we would consider that picture perfect birth not even a skid mark goes mm -hmm. into labor less than five hours probably they came off it at going into it with like a full night's sleep and a beautiful cooked meal the night before like honestly that's not real that's not reality yeah. it happens mm -hmm. for some women it happens but not with everyone and so we need to flip it and be like, that is the unicorn per se. Everyone mm -hmm. else, tell me your journey. And I think when we start saying like, tell me, you know, when you ask somebody about their birth story and they want to share, don't, I want it to get to the point where I'm not expecting you to only give me the good highlights. Yeah. Right. But just the good and the bad because mm -hmm. it's your story and you don't need to omit anything when telling your story to friends or family per se. You can tell what you want. Like I wouldn't tell this story to my uncle. You right. Know? But I think we just need to get into it. And so sometimes I'll have to say, well, what were some things you didn't like about your last birth experience? And it could have right. been like that nurse, the IV. Mm, I the, know. I was groupie strep positive. I hated those antibiotics. It burned, burned, you know? And so really like getting deeper into it, we need to keep a start and we need to start having these conversations yep. of, that it isn't always, and I don't need to always hear They're the They're not good. always fun. But I don't always need to hear the bad either. I want the, I want the in-between. So when someone says I had this horrible birth and I'm like, well, what are some things that went good during that birth? And if they say I have this beautiful birth, I'll ask them the opposite. What are some things that went not so good for you or the things that you could change per se going into this next birth? We just need to 
I don't know. I feel like it's too black and white and we need to start visiting yes. more of the gray area. I agree. Exactly, which is why I want to do an episode on my postpartum experience a little bit or more on postpartum, not just yeah. mine, like postpartum experiences because I want to share more deep and I want to share my theory on what happened to me because I have a theory and it's not a pleasant one, but I want to, I want to talk about these things because so many people don't. And for a long time, I didn't really share it like publicly. Like I would talk about it, but like, it didn't just like go out like, you know, on a podcast forum, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it's important too. And that's why, I mean, we said it before and I'll say it again right now, but that's why we share all the stories. We don't just share the sunshine and butterfly feedback stories because we don't want you to have that expectation that your VBAC is going to be perfect because it might be, but it might not be. And it might end up in a repeat cesarean and all of those things are good options. I mean, they're good, safe, healthy options for birth. As long as you feel like you contributed and you're aware of what was happening to you. And that's the biggest goal is to be in control and make the decisions regarding your care. I, while you were talking, both of you, I thought of this quote I hadn't thought of in years, but it was related to social media, but I'm going to apply it to birth right now. When we share, you know, birth stories, people like you said, tend to share like the best parts or the, or the happy parts or whatever. And then we hear that their birth was only good. That's what our minds translated to. Their birth was only good. There was no heart in their birth. And when we see birth announcements on our friends' pages, on Facebook pages, oh, my baby was here. It was such an amazing birth. Mom and baby are doing well in a beautiful picture. Mom with makeup on. Baby snuggled in a cute little swaddle. And you think, oh my gosh, their birth was perfect. Like, why was mine so hard? But this is what the quote is after that long-winded explanation is don't compare somebody else's highlight reel to your backstage footage. Mm -hmm. Don't compare someone else's highlight reel to your backstage footage because you don't know their whole picture. All you're seeing is what they choose to share. You're seeing the beautiful makeup. You're seeing the beautifully clothed babies. What you're not seeing is four kids running around at home, all naked. One's taking their diapers off. The dog's eating the diaper right now. Mom's trying to survive and pump and feed the baby. That's what you're not seeing. Mm -hmm. And that's what their backstage footage is. And so if you can think of it in terms like that, that you're not seeing the whole story, you're just seeing the highlights and the things Mm -hmm. that they choose to share with you, Mm -hmm. you'll realize very, very soon that everyone has that backstage footage or those bloopers or whatever that they're choosing not to share for whatever reason. And as we start bringing those bloopers, backstage footage, um, you know, reshoots, retapes, whatever to the front, to the forefront, then that makes other people feel seen and heard and soothed. And those are three very important things to reduce the incidences of trauma, depression, anxiety, and all of those postpartum mood disorders, being seen, feeling safe, and being soothed are very, very, very important. And so I encourage you to share part of your birth story that was hard. Actually head over to our VBAC link community on Facebook or go to our Facebook page or go to our Instagram page, find the image with this week's episode on. And I want you to share a hard moment 
from your birth. Normally we like have fuzzy, good, safe, happy, good vibes or whatever in our community and stuff. But I want this post to be raw and vulnerable. I want you to go. I want you to share what was a hard part about your birth that maybe you've never even told anyone before. And then I want you to scroll through the comments and see what other people have shared and feel seen and soothed and safe. Feel it and be there and be in that vulnerability for a minute because that's where we grow. It's in the vulnerability that we grow. Well, and like with like my postpartum experience, right? Like in a lot of ways, like someone might have already might be feeling the same way I did. Like, oh, I shouldn't be complaining because I got the birth I wanted, but my postpartum sucked. But like, it sucked, you guys. It sucked so bad. Like, I was so angry. <laughs> and it's been almost four years. Like, like she said, like, it's okay. It's okay to be seen and be heard. So, yeah. It's part of your story. It's part of my story. Yep. Don't hate me because I don't want to be like contrary to everything we just said. But like my second birth, my first VBAC, I feel like it was perfect. And I'm like, but how would, what hard point, like, what would I say, you know, at that point? But, and this might sound a little bit superficial to be honest, but my first VBAC baby was born on the same day that my sister-in-law was getting married and I was pushing my baby out while she was getting married and like, it's super cool but I feel a loss of not being able to be there for their wedding, even though like I had a really good birth and it surprised all of us. He came, you know, eight days earlier or whatever. I still feel that loss of not being able to be there. I look back at their wedding pictures and I get this sadness in me because I wasn't there, but then I was having a really good birth experience. It really couldn't have gone any better. And and like I said, there's, there's things about my other birth experiences that will be a lot, would be a lot easier for me to talk about, but sometimes it's a, just an emotional thing. And sometimes your birth is perfect for, and it played out exactly how you wanted it to. And that's okay too. Like, it's okay to not have a hard thing, but it's equally okay to have hard things that you need to work through. So I don't know, I guess. I don't think that's superficial at all. Yeah. I, I just. I don't know, but it sounds to me like when I'm saying it, like it sounds like, oh, like people like you, you freaking, your placenta flew out with your baby. Like, how does that compare to like me missing a wedding? You know what I mean? But like, but again, we cannot compare our heart to other people's hearts. Exactly. It, you can't, it's a, it's a a really bad idea. (laughs) Right. No. So have you guys as, as doulas, like, I know we're like running out of time, but as doulas, like, have you ever had clients who are like, they know your birth story. And so like, how did you, like, how did you even do this? And it's like, yeah. you guys like stop asking yourself how I did it. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about how you're doing it yes. and how we're getting you through this. And your this is your experience. Don't be thinking about, don't compare your length of labor or your style of labor to my labor, because that was me. And that was me, right? This is them. And so mm-hmm. it's so important to try to get out of that frame of mind and stop comparing and be in that moment for you and find what's best for you. Because I feel like if we compare, then in the end, we still may not be satisfied with our birth because we may still be comparing. Mm-hmm. And we'll always feel miserable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has to be a conscious decision. Exactly. 
And it, it that's does. really, that, that takes work on yourself to, to get to that point. Mm-hmm. And it just depends on your personality style and how you communicate. Some are going to be overshares and some are undershares, but as long as we can stop telling people or asking people if they're attempting something, I'll be fine. Yes. <laughs> we all have our things, don't we, that we're like really particular about. It's just so fun. Yes, um, we do. I think I'm going to start a thread in our doula group. Like, what, what are you particular about? Like, what really makes you cringe when people say or do or whatever? I think that that would be fun. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up. I want everybody to know that... Um, we love Emily. That we yes, <laughs> love, love Emily. <laughs> and one day we are going to be in Green Bay. Yes. One day. It will happen. It, so far, it's at least nine months out because we have to plan our lives nine months out because we have doula clients. <laughs> I know. I have a doula client in January and I'm like, this is so weird. Like, <sighs> I have to start planning my next year. Like, I have yeah. Ah, it's yeah. crazy. It's crazy. But one day, one day there will be a presence of the VBAC link. Yes. Green Bay. Maybe we can go in the summertime and we can see the Great Lakes. It would be fun. Beautiful. Maybe we should rent an RV and just take our whole families out and just drive out there and have like a tire. Just do it. That would do it. Fun. We have like the Cape Cod of the Midwest right here. So yeah, we totally come on over. Should. All right. We're making big plans you, now. We're making big plans. <laughs> Emily, thanks so much for sharing your story and, and opening up that vulnerability for us. And everybody, if you're not already, go follow Emily on Facebook and Instagram. Is it just at Green Bay Doulas on yep. Instagram? And she's awesome. Reach out, say hi. And if you're in Wisconsin, she has a wonderful group of doulas that will support you no matter how you choose to have your birth. So definitely look them up and we will see you on the flip side, hopefully in an RV next to a lake. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> Thanks ladies. Bye. Thank Bye. You. Bye. Bye.